Hey, give it up for the band. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Sid. Wow. All right. Hey, uh, today, uh, I really believe that in like the next 30 minutes, it's something that can really change our lives. It'll really change your perspective. It'll change kind of how I live and what I do. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty simple concept, but it's, it's pretty deep. And so um, I'm going to have some friends come up and help me with this in just a few minutes. So we got the boys right now, actually the men setting this up. We're going to do kind of an interview style today. And so you'll have a chance if you have some questions to text those in. But before we jump into our chapel message, I just want to remind you that tomorrow, um, anybody coming to class tomorrow? Mm, I know I'm going to a basketball game, got a date night with my wife, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, uh, women's game, 5.30, guys after that, looking forward to that, it's been a long time since I've been able to come out and, well, you know, just watch our, our, our teams play. Um, but tomorrow is Veterans Day, and so um, there's something we want to celebrate, so we just want to do a focus on that today, okay, in honor of tomorrow, since we won't be here. But if you know a person that has served or somebody that is serving, I just want to encourage you to bring some love to them because, you know, the freedom that we have in this country is amazing. There's no other place like it, like what we have here. But that freedom comes at a cost, and sometimes it's an incredibly high cost to pay. And so as we think about that, man, just be grateful for the freedom that you have, that for generations there's been people that have fought to keep that freedom alive, and maybe just uh, think back on some of the freedoms that you have, and you hear about other places in the world that don't have what we have, and be grateful for that. Thank Jesus for that, but also if you see these people that are veterans, man, you know, bring them some love. Sometimes it's kind of awkward on what you share with them, but maybe it's even when you go home over Thanksgiving, you know, you got some veterans in your family, but just maybe take a moment and just speak from your heart to that because we truly have so much. I brought my passport um, with me this morning. Do you guys have passports? How many people got passports? Okay, it cost you a few bucks, but if you travel to other countries and you don't have this, you may not get home, right? So um, this passport, man, it is just invaluable. You know, when we travel and go to other countries, one thing we really take care of, more so than even our, our cash and our wallets, is our passport. And um, I'm not sure if you've ever read the first page of your passport. Sometimes we go on trips and people forget to sign their passports and they get stopped as you come back in. So definitely sign your passport. But listen to this first page. The first page actually has a quote by Abraham Lincoln, okay? Um, the second part here goes like this. So this is something that is yours as a U.S. citizen, as being part of our country and establishing all that freedom that generations have fought for. It says, the Secretary of the State of the United States of America hereby requests all who may be um, concerned to permit the citizens of the United States, okay, named herein, to pass without delay or hindrance, and in the case of need, to give all lawful aid and protection. So this is in the front page of a passport of what generations have fought for. You know, our country stands behind you as a U.S. citizen, and that price comes at an incredibly high, high price. On the second, on the next page, there's actually a part from our Constitution. It says, we the people of the United States, in order to perform a more perfect union, establish, check this out, justice, 
okay? Ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the, uh, provide for the common defense, promote the general warfare, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to others to ordain and establish this uh, Constitution of the United States of America. Some things we just don't even know that we really have but are ours. So don't take your freedom for granted in where we live. So today, we're going to do a little transition from like focusing on the freedom that we have in this country to the freedom that we have in Christ. And man, that is just an amazing thing that can radically, radically change our life. You've already heard from Dr. Corsini a bit as he shot a video. He couldn't be with us in person, so he wanted to share that with you. Talked about like kind of being uncuffed and maybe things that will hold us down and things that are burdening us to find this freedom. So uh, I want to give you a verse, tell you a quick little snapshot, a little background on the person that inspired by the Holy Spirit wrote this verse, and then I'm going to bring my friends up. So here we go. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It's written by the Apostle Paul, who penned a lot of the New Testament that we have. So the Holy Spirit laid on his heart, and he says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to freedom. Do you like getting calls? Sometimes there's good calls, sometimes there's bad calls. This is an amazing call. This is something that God actually calls you to. He calls you to freedom. And then there's a challenge for us. And it says, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge in the flesh. That's my old nature. But rather, serve one another humbly in love. You know, um, what an amazing concept. If we can take the next few minutes and really understand what God is calling us to, this freedom, to leave things that hold us back, you know, and experience this freedom. And then we don't have this cheap grace thing, but, man, I look for ways to take that love and serve other people and give back. So the Apostle Paul, man, he was, he was a terror to the, the New Testament church, okay? He was deep, deep, deep seated, seated in legalism. You can read about that in Philippians 3. He says, man, he was from the right people group. He was from the right tribe. He had the right education. To the law, you know, that the Jews lived out, you could not find blame with him, okay? And he goes on to say, man, you know, I, I had all this stuff, but he actually counts those things as like rubbish, okay? There's another word for that. It's like stuff you step in in the backyard if you got dogs, okay? Barefoot, nasty, okay? That's what he compares all this legalism to, to the freedom that he has in Christ. He says everything is hinged in Jesus. And so that's this freedom that we have. This guy would actually kick your door down, you know, if you were a Christian, haul you off to prison. Some people didn't make it out of prison. Could you imagine that past? And he switches teams. He does a complete reversal. And now he becomes a friend of the church. He becomes grafted into God's family. And so could you imagine that, that bondage that would hold him back, thinking back on the past? Because we know we have an enemy that will do that. But as he writes this, he says, hey, you know what? God has called me to this freedom. It works for me. I've left this life. He wants that to work for us. So this morning, um, I've invited Professor Vic to be with us. Uh, some of you got Professor Vic in classes. He's the chairman of our Bible department. And I've invited Dr. Evans, who's our academic VP, uh, to come and be a part. So they're going to hit the couch um, with us. Give them a warm welcome. We got, we got Johnny, the dancing Johnny up here. He's got some moves there. 
Yeah, so Johnny is going to take your text questions, and we've given him permission to interrupt us at any point in time as we talk through. If you guys have a question, text it in. Johnny will feel that, and then Professor Vic, Dr. Evans will actually answer those questions. So today, um, to kind of move a little bit out of the academia, um, Professor Vic, are you okay if we call you Pete? Yeah. So you're a Southern California person. Yeah. You actually went to school here back in the day. You had Professor Witten, Professor Blackburn, others is profs, okay. And now you're one of those guys. How cool is that? Yeah. So today it's Pete, okay. And then we have Dr. Evans. All the way home is North Carolina. Wow. Okay. So she, she is like, are you kind of like a Southern, like, I don't know. Is that good? Miss Katina. So she brings some culture to us that we really need, right? And so um, we're going to have them share a bit, give us some questions, and we'll try to really understand what this freedom looks like in our relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to ask Pete to go first. So Pete um, went to school at a, a great seminary called Dallas Theological Seminary. He knocked down a degree, uh, his master's in theology. So Pete, today, I mean, I want you to just share this freedom from a biblical perspective, from your theological background, but do it in a way that's going to be super practical and relevant for us as a community. You got that? And we're going to, yeah. give, you, we're going to give you five minutes to do that. All right? All right. Well, Here five, you go. Five minutes. Uh, freedom in Christ. Kind of the, the grand irony is a lot of people who are, are walking in what Paul called the flesh, and he talks about freedom from the flesh in the, in the passage in Galatians you were reading. If we just go a little further in Galatians 5, he's contrasting, and this is playing on some of his other teaching about how before Christ we were slaves to sin, and now we are free in Christ. And um, what we are free from is what he calls the works of the flesh, the darkness, the things that, that, that God knows harms us. A lot of people are out there, they think they're doing whatever they want, but really they're a slave and they're, they're, they're serving another master who's really uh, out there to hurt them. That would, of course, be the devil. And so some of the key to understanding your, your Christian freedom as it translates into real time is understanding the identity you have in Christ. You are one with Christ. You have God's Holy Spirit living in you. And the reason that's so important is you understand that it is God's Holy Spirit that helps you to live a life of freedom. And so in the chapter Steve read the, read the verse from, we showed the verse on the thing, it talks about um, um, walking or living in the flesh, which, as he said, is your sinful nature. And when you live in the sinful nature in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about these different, um, these different works of the flesh. Um, adultery, uncleanness, idolatry, sorcery, jealousies, I'm just picking out a few here, <laughs> outbursts of wrath, these sorts of things, those are the works of the flesh. And when we're, when we're living that way, we're not living in freedom. We think, oh, it's my freedom to do whatever I want. That is not living in freedom. True freedom is uh, living out our identity in Christ. It is so important because our doctrine of salvation tells us that we don't work to have an identity in Christ. God saves us by his grace, by his mercy. He cleanses us from our sins, but then he enables us through the power of his Holy Spirit to live this life of freedom. And the way, the way Galatians, after talking about how we have freedom in Christ, the way it describes what the life of freedom looks like 
is a fairly well-known little uh, passage. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is talking about what God's Holy Spirit produces in us. So if you want to know what, what a life of freedom looks like, a person who's free, a person who's living free in Christ, here's a, a little description here. This is Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, uh, against such there is no law. That's talking about what a life of freedom looks like, and then he goes on to talk about where it comes from. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking to one another and envying one another. So we now have freedom to live God's way and live in the fullness God has given us through the work his Holy Spirit has given us. So some of the keys to understanding Christian freedom, understanding you have an identity in Christ, you're not who you were before Christ, and God's Holy Spirit is living in you who now enables you to live out these, these qualities that bring us true freedom. Wow. Thank you, Pete. So like we got this whole new creation thing going on that God wants to create in our heart. So in a very real sense, I got to let go of my past. I got to let go of my old nature so I can really experience That's not that. you. Yeah. Okay. Johnny, we got any questions yet? All right. Fire some questions off. All right. Because Pete would love to answer those. So Dr. Evans, aka, you like this? Miss Katina. Okay. She uh, did her undergrad in North Carolina and then she came out here to California and you actually knocked down a law degree. Wow. Anybody need a lawyer out there? Not yet, maybe. <laughs> no, we got uh, some future lawyers in Yeah, wow. So I don't even know what a law degree looks like, but <laughs> I've, I've heard parts of your spiritual journey, and I love the journey you've been on. So could you just take a minute and just share from your heart about, like, where you see this freedom coming in your spiritual journey Jesus had you on? Yeah, and I also want to give context to the Miss Katina thing. It is truly a Southern thing. So in the South, we don't call people by their first names. It's an auntie or uh, Mr. You know, Mr. Allen, Miss Miss Shannon, or something like that. So it's really not a pretentious thing. So I hope you don't take it that way. Um, but the the legal part of it, I can give an example from just my life. I do. I I enjoy the law because it's clear, uh, and you can hold people to it. And I think uh, one of the things is there's a punishment when you don't follow it. And thinking through uh, what my life looked after divorce and becoming this, you know, single parent and needing a co-parent, for me, I had all of these rights that the law had given me in the state of California under family code, that I could uh, force my ex-husband to pay a certain amount for child support. Um, I have full legal and physical custody of my children, so by the law, I didn't have to allow them to have visitation uh, with him at all, and the law would uphold that because that's how it was written. Um, and I did my own divorce. I, use my law degree for that part, but all those pieces of it, so I had to do that. But now, as what, uh, what Professor Vic was saying, now if I'm trying to walk in the spirit, um, I have to decide whether I'm going to um, use all the rights that I have under the law that way, which the law would uphold, or whether I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to give me that freedom in that. And so one of the things I had to really reconcile with um, my, uh, before we divorced, my, my husband left the state, and we were, um, he had, um, when he announced it, we were all living in a homeless shelter, so his plan was to leave me and the girls, who were really small, in a homeless shelter. And he was going to move back to North Carolina. 
uh, but the Lord did something different where we, the girls and I were able to move out of the homeless shelter around the same time he moved back to North Carolina. And that's a whole story in and of itself. And so he was in North Carolina for a year, then came back to California. And so as he come, came back to California, there were people who would say, hey, if I were you, I wouldn't let him see the girls at all, right? He abandoned them, he wasn't here, he wasn't there to help you. And I was in law school trying to finish law school, single parenting in San Diego. And so I had that, but I also had my, um, my paperwork from court, which said I had 100% legal and physical custody. And I also put a provision on there that he would have to have supervised visitation because I knew how to use the law. Um, but the Holy Spirit said, that's not what I want for your daughters because they're my daughters. And so when he comes back, you allow them to see him. And I remember I journaled, that's how I do my prayer. I said, I don't want to, and he doesn't have the right to. And so now I'm battling between what I had the right to do and what the Holy Spirit was trying to get me to do, which is going to be actually in the best interest of my children. And so it was really hard for me to submit to the Spirit because I'd done everything I needed to do legally to actually give myself a power position. And it, it was when I really looked at it, it wasn't really about um, me saying this is the right part of the law or the wrong part of the law. It was I had been working from a place of hurt and harm uh, to be abandoned or plan to be abandoned to be a single parent. I wanted to get as much of these rights as possible to put me in a more powerful situation because of that hurt. And so the Lord was like, I need you to give that hurt to me. <laughs> I need you to give all those rights that you can exercise, and I need you to not exercise them and instead allow um, him to spend time with the girls as a father should. And that was very hard for me to do that. Um, but I remember just submitting to the Holy Spirit in that situation. He had come back, and I was like, all right, we're going over to Balboa Park, you know, the playground. Um, and I was like, I need to study. You hang out with the girls and so he did, um, and then I remember we're getting ready to leave, and by that time I had a car, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was like offering him a ride home, and I remember saying to my, saying, I was like, I don't want to. This is me just being real, I was like, I don't want to. I don't have to, and I don't want to. And I remember, and I was like, but because you said so, I'll do it. So a lot of times my obedience wasn't just because I want it to be, because I'm that good of a Christian. I struggle with it a lot of times. But I remember saying, okay. And I dropped him off, and I remember my youngest, who I think was six at the time, after he got out of the car, she said, thank you for being nice to daddy. And so even in all of that, saying that I have the right to say you can't see these kids, or if you do see them, I get to decide who's with you and how long, the Lord said, lay that down and let him be the father that the girls need him to be. Um, and you can't use this power position to pay him back because I really wanted, in, in all honesty, I just wanted to pay him back. So when I let that go, I didn't really realize what weight I was carrying until I let it go. But I was fighting to hold on to it because it was a protection piece for me, what I thought was a protection piece for me. But really, I was bound by it. And if I had started exercising that, then again, I would have to spend a lot of energy enforcing it, enforcing it. And you know what? We would have been the couple that's going back and forth to court, back and forth to court until our kids graduated. Uh, where we are presently is in the last couple years, he's over at our house for Thanksgiving, the girls cook, he's over at our house for Christmas. Um, 
His mother, which I still call my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, we spend time together. She, uh, when my oldest just graduated from high school, my mother-in-law came in town and we, she stayed at my apartment. And, and it really is, there's so much liberty in that. And the Lord was showing me, he said, I had to let go of those things. If I been praying for my daughters to be healthy, for my daughters to live a life of purity, for my daughters X, Y, Z, all these things parents pray for them, it required me to let go of some things that I had the legal right to enforce. And, so, and then I'll rely on the Holy Spirit to break those chains in my life and in those places where I'm vulnerable and hurt to, for him to be able to bring healing in that in the area. Wow, Miss Katina, thanks for sharing that. How many girls do you have? Two. Two girls. Yeah. Hey, give us just uh, a Steve, quick I have some snapshot. questions. Oh, you got a question? Yeah, I got some All right, questions. go, Johnny. Uh, okay, these two kind of go together, but here's the first one. Um, I have a group of friends who want me to participate in something that I feel goes against God's will, and I know that the Spirit has set me free, and I shouldn't take advantage of that. How would you act in this situation? And then the second question from someone else goes together is, how do we live in freedom though we still struggle with sin? Yeah, I, I can give you the practical part of it. <laughs> Professor Pete will probably give you the biblical aspect of it. I think that first part is recognizing that you have a dilemma. And you know what, and it's okay to have that dilemma. I think where the enemy beats us down is saying we shouldn't have that thought and we shouldn't have that desire. Uh, Paul says, like, the things that I, the good, you know, the good things that I do, should do, he said, I struggle to do them. He said, but the bad things that I shouldn't do, those things I easily do. So we recognize that we're no different from the Apostle Paul, that we have those that to one admit that we're having that dilemma. And I think if they're really your friends is to sit down and talk to them about it. You're like, I'm not judging where you are today if you want to do this. Let's say if they're, you know, if they're drinking, if you want to drink, I'm not judging that you're wanting to drink. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trying not to. And I really believe that you love me and you care about me. So can we do things differently? So if you're spending time with me, can we do something um, that makes me feel comfortable? And I think that friend knowing and getting to watch your life and the way you choose your life I think it's also important that we're not called to be that judge of other people's lives either. But if we get to live out that life of freedom in front of them, then they might make that decision um, to also kind of partner with us and ask for help in the area. If you're struggling in the area to say, hey, I'm really struggling with these kinds of things, will you help me in it? And so that way, if you see me in this place or you see me in this space, would you help remind me of who I'm trying to become? And that gives that person some accountability um, in your life. And that's also really hard for us to have people to hold us accountable. When, but when they love us, um, it's saying, I'm reminding you of what you said is important to you. And they're not pointing out all of the bad things that you're doing. They said, remember that you said you wanted to work on, like me, eating healthier. I need to do better. So my youngest daughter is like, well, mom, does that fit with your goal? And I was like, no. And then, you know, so and then I'm stuck with what am I going to do with that? So, I mean, I think probably uh, Pastor Pete could give you a better. Oh, well, she, she handled the practical side. I'll make one comment on that and just and then hit the theological side. But, I mean, don't ever let anybody pressure you into doing anything you're not comfortable with. You start giving into that, it can never stop. And uh, a true friend will understand uh, Bible talks, Ephesians 4 talks about speaking the truth in love and just explain to somebody, I'm not comfortable, but you got to be explicit, be clear, st say how you feel. I am not comfortable doing this. I'm not going to do this, you know, and, and 
care about you. We're friends, but but I'm not doing it. But don't give into that pressure. It's just uh, if you if you're not comfortable, there's probably a reason you're not comfortable. Follow your follow your conscience. That's probably the Holy Spirit leading you as far as that goes. As far as how we how we can have freedom in Christ when we still struggle with sin, which we of course all do. Um, so. Yeah, I'm going to try to put this in about, in about a minute. But when we understand the, the doctrine of our salvation and how that changes our life, we understand that when we get saved, we've been freed from the penalty of sin. We will not be held accountable for our sins because Christ was held accountable for them on the cross in terms of, you know, heaven and hell. Uh, then we are freed from the power of sin in our day-to-day lives, and that's where we're at now because God has given us his Holy Spirit to overcome the inclinations of our sinful nature. Someday we'll be freed from the presence of sin and that's when christ comes back he resurrects us and then we're not going to be dealing with this anymore but so we are freed from the power of sin but sin is still constantly at us and tempting us and and just a couple of things we could say about that one of the chapters in the bible you want to read really carefully on that is romans 6 which is another freedom in christ chapter but it gives you two things that, that, that we're intended to do. And all of this is based on what's already happened. Because we've been freed from the penalty of sin, we've been justified by faith, which means we've been declared righteous before God. Um, it tells us to consider ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, which means you have to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. God sees you as a child of God. God sees you as a new creation. God sees you as a holy and sacred thing because of what he's done to you, and you have to start seeing yourself that way. You have to start seeing yourself through the eyes of your sin. If you're struggling with pornography, don't think of yourself as a pornographer or whatever we would call that, I guess. But, you know, think of yourself as a child of God who he's given you the power of the Holy Spirit in you to deliver you from this. If you're struggling with substance abuse, don't think of yourself as an alcoholic or uh, you know a, a drug addict or whatever the case might be think of yourself as a child of God and he's given you what you need within yourself to to find freedom from these things and so um, seeing your new identity then allows you to the second thing is present yourselves to God as slaves of righteousness uncertain you belong to him you're in his service now because of the identity he's given you so start to see yourself through God's eyes and one last thing is don't try to do it alone if, you're, if you have a, a struggle with sin, what we call a besetting sin that you're really not able to give up, find trusted people in the family of God in church who can help you, people who you feel like you can, you can share something honestly. They're not going to judge you, but they're going to provide you with help because um, the reason God has established a church instead of a bunch of isolated individual Christians is because we need to be able to grow in Christ together, and it doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't work on your own. You can't do this alone. That's why you have what we call brothers and sisters in Christ, which is, you know, us. Um. Okay. Great answer. <laughs> would you then say? <laughs> would you then say that true freedom involves giving up power rather than obtaining it, like submission? Yes, there, 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 there's an irony here, um, and there's an, old, there's an old song that Witten talks about, and I don't remember who sings it, but it talks about how you've got to serve someone. See, the great myth is that you're not going to serve anybody. You're either going to serve the flesh, even as a Christian, you're either going to serve the flesh or you're going to serve Christ. And so true freedom is really found in, in service to Christ, in commitment to him, because, it, because he gives us the... Um, he gives us rest. He gives us life and peace. He gives us that abundant life. And so, yeah, there is a little bit of a, 
there is a little bit of an irony here, but a glorious irony that when we sacrifice our rights to Christ and what he gives us, recognizing that that's better, that true freedom is found in obedience to Christ. Um, <laughs> this one is a very theological question. Okay, one, so this is for you, Pete. Uh, wait, let me just find it. If freedom is defined as the choice to do things that bring glory to God, does this mean that we have free will? And if so, does this mean that God does not have complete sovereignty over us? Oh, man. We're, we're going to solve that in 10 seconds, aren't we? Um, <laughs> let me th- I'm, I'm going, all I'm going to break down for you is that part of the mystery of God is God is sovereign, which means he's in absolute control, and yet human beings have freedom and responsibility. And for our minds especially in the amount of time we have today, but probably if we had six hours to, to, uh, to talk this out, I could explain to you what the Bible teaches. I don't think I could completely reconcile it in a way that would, you know, that your, that your mind would just feel like, ah, that makes perfect sense to me. This is one of the things that's very difficult for us to understand. But so, so yes, we do have freedom and responsibility. Uh, yes, God is in complete control and, and, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of terminology, there's a lot of definitions we could give to explain how that plays out, but the, but the best thing to understand is there is a certain amount of mystery and a certain amount of, of even tension for us understanding that God is sovereign and in control and we have freedom and responsibility. All right, guys, we got, we got 11 o'clock here. Um, we're going to try something uh, as we go into uh, kind of our, our Thanksgiving Christmas break. Some of the questions that we didn't get an answer, we're going to try to get answers to those, video them up, and then share them with you. We'll work with Big Mike on that. Uh, Mike, could you put that verse back up for us? Uh, I just want to share with, just close it out one more time with Galatians 5.13. And Miss um, Katina, something that you shared, you know, about just listening to the Holy Spirit. So we know that, you know, God has called us to freedom and you found that that freedom that you have, even in the law, you could kind of do what you want to do. But as you yield to the Holy Spirit, in a very real sense, you kind of served the kid's dad in that sense. And just in a short answer, would you say that your girls are better because of that today than you exercising your rights that you had? The Lord answered my prayers concerning my daughters to be whole and healed and healthy and that came through having a healthy relationship with their dad. And I had the responsibility to create that environment. No regrets looking back on that? No, because he takes them on hikes and I don't hike. So it's it, just like, that worked out really well for me. And it was probably one of the <laughs> hardest things you had to face at that point in time. It, it was because I had to get over my flesh and the hurt and the anger and the rejection and all of that. And just everything that comes with divorce. But for my girls to be in a space celebrating their birthdays and Thanksgiving and Christmas with both of their parents there, having regular conversations with each other, I think is one of the healthiest things that we could do for our daughters. And it also took, I need to acknowledge that it take, took him to be willing to do that as well. So it just wasn't, I don't want you to walk away saying it was me because it wasn't. He had to also submit to the Holy Spirit in order for us to be healthy for our kids, for our daughters. Awesome. So hopefully you got a little insight from, from Pete and Miss Katina. Hey, um, I know that they would love to talk with you more. If you got some stuff you, you're just going through, 
one of the best things we can do is just build that relationship like Pete talked about, and we don't have to go through this stuff alone. So I know that they're available in the days ahead. So, hey, as we close it out, I'm going to ask uh, Ms. Katinda, can you pray us out? Uh, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come here today, and I pray over every person that is here today for someone who will hear this later. And I pray, Lord, for the shame, for the embarrassment, for the burden um, that we tend to carry when we try to handle these things privately. I, Pastor Pete told us is we were not meant to do this journey alone. Um, and so we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the opportunity to come to you freely and boldly before your throne. I thank you, Lord, that um, nothing that we experience or the challenges will separate us from you. Your word says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing, absolutely nothing. So for those who feel separated, for those who are living under the lie of shame and embarrassment of all those things, I pray that you would surround them with people who know the truth of your word and who will speak life into them. I pray for students as we are finishing up the academic year. For those who feel stressed about going home, I just pray for peace for them. I pray for a solution for them because uh, we know not all homes are pleasant. We pray for students who feel like they're overwhelmed. I pray that you would strengthen us as faculty to come around them and to be able to support them and to be able to push them through uh, to the end. And I pray, Lord, uh, you who are faithful to begin the work, uh, you're also faithful to complete it. And I pray that over each student here who's here who will watch us later. I thank you, Lord, so much for Steve, for Mike, uh, for Eric and for, and for our worship teams that have served in this academic year, and I pray that you would give them a, a good measure of rest over the holiday break. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Living that freedom. You guys have an amazing day. Thank you, guys.